Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Hey there, everyone. It is February, and it is time for us to t- kick off our next m M&M and for 2023. You'll remember that this year our theme is Abide, and on that theme I decided to take all 12 of the passages that I will be encouraging you to meditate on and potentially even memorize portions of from the book of Psalms this year. So we have 12 passages from the book of Psalms, and that's a lot, but as though that weren't enough, right? I have chosen for our M&M for the month of February... Interestingly enough, the shortest month of the year, I have chosen the longest chapter in the entire Bible. So we are going to look this month for our M&M at Psalm 119. I'll be right back. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, The Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with Viking Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. All right, so we're going to dive right into Psalm 119. Yes, again, 176 verses, and you may be saying to yourself, what possessed you to think that we could tackle this in a 30-minute podcast? Well, I'm not actually sure, except to say that this psalm has blessed me in so many, many, many ways. So I want to sort of step back in time and talk to you for just a moment, my first interaction, real interaction with Psalm 119 was about 30 years ago. My husband and I were living 
far, far from my home in the sunny south up in Ohio, and someone had invited me to a mom's group. It would be probably a precursor to the mops groups that happen today. And so this group met twice a month, and on one of those meetings, we did a Bible study, and on the other meeting, we did a craft. But at that point in my motherhood, the thing that was actually the most appealing was that I got some sort of space away from my son, whom I love. I really loved my son, but I was struggling in those early days of motherhood with the 24-7 reality of being a mother. And I just needed a little bit of space. And I'm going to chase this squirrel for just a second. Mom, if that's who you are, if you're struggling with those first days, months, maybe even years of motherhood where you're really slamming into the fact that this gig is 24-7, I get it. I've been there. And one of the things that I found is it's just every now and then having a little step away time. Sometimes it's just a walk around the block. Sometimes it's a night out with your husband. And sometimes it's a mom's group like this was for me. So all that to say, I was so enthusiastic about joining my friend and going to this group. So we got there the first time that I was ever there, and the pastor's wife of this particular church was leading the Bible study that day. And we'd been asked to bring our Bible, so I had my Bible with me, and she sat down, and here was this woman who, I don't know if you've ever met anybody like this before. It's a true blessing if you have these people in your life. She was like the embodiment of wisdom. I did, I'd never met her before. I'd never even seen her before. And she stepped up there and sat down on a stool with a microphone in front of her. And she opened the word of God. And we all leaned in to listen to what this woman said. It was remarkable, just the sense that you had that this woman loved God, even before she opened her mouth. Just the reverence with which she stood And the reverence with which she opened the word, she led us in prayer. And boy, I was just on the edge of my seat. But then she said, for our time today, I would like us to open up to Psalm 119. And I was like, you have got to be kidding me. This is what I'm thinking to myself. How are we possibly going to tackle Psalm 119 in our time together? And funny thing, that's actually the first thing that she said. She said, some of you may be thinking, how are we going to do this in the next 20 or 30 minutes? And all I want to say to you is covering all of this is not my goal because that would be an impossibility. What I want to do today and what I want to do today, following in her footsteps, is I want to... uh, Fan the flames, ignite a fire. I want you to want to get out your Bible, and I want you to dig in. That's actually my goal every time we're together, is I want you to want more. I do not think that I can give you everything anytime we're together, and certainly not today in tackling Psalm 119. So I've got so much. This is going to be a power-packed time together. I have got, I think it's over 28 pages of printed notes that I've scribbled on, arrowed, marked, highlighted, marked things out, written notes all over. I've got my two Bibles, my beloved NASB. I've got my ESV study Bible. So I've got my journal where I I map out our time together, what I'm going to do and what order and all of that. I've got all of this. 
And I've actually put off recording this for a couple of days because I couldn't get it all straight in my head. So I'm going to ask in advance that you bear with me. And I want you to know that it's just one of these things that I'm hoping you are going to be so inspired by or challenged by or encouraged by today that you're going to dare to go deeper and dig in. That's the whole objective, right? The enemy wants to come and tell us that we can't do Bible study, that we're not equipped to do it, that it's more, that it's too late, that we put it off for too long, right? All of that is ridiculous. It's just a lie to keep us from getting into the Word of God because here's the thing about Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is all about the psalmist pouring out his love for what? God's Word. God's Word. So some things you probably already know about it. If you want to study these more, I'm going to point you to the ESV Study Bible. This is not where we're going to focus our time today. And that is, this is actually written on an acrostic going through all of the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So not only is this powerful in its content, what it actually says, it's beautiful and how it's actually written. The Word of God is not sloppily laid out. There are literary devices. There's figurative speech. There's foreshadowing. There's prophecy. There's all of these different literary devices that I love and really make you appreciate the Word of God on a whole different level. But that level we're going to set aside, and I really do want to focus on the content in our time today. But again, I would encourage you to study that because the Word of God is life. It's beautiful. It's truth, goodness, and beauty all together. So you can study that on your own. So this day when I sat down with all of these other moms in the room and this woman of God opens her Bible and invites us to open to Psalm 119, she said, I'm inviting you, I'm inviting you into this Psalm so that you may love the Word of God, that you may love the Word of God. And she asked us in all of the little tables, we were all sitting around tables. She said, and she assigned all of the tables a different portion of this psalm. And she said, I want y'all to take, here's some key words in the entire psalm. In all 76 verses, there are some repeated words, some key words, and I'm going to give them to you. But you need to know that these words may slightly vary based on the translation that you're studying. So based on my NASB 95, here are the key words, law, testimonies, precepts, statutes, commands, rules, and word. Those are the key words. And what the psalmist does here is he's pouring out praise and gratitude for what? God's word. God's word over and over and over, the beauty and the power and the comfort, right? of God's word. So we need to take advantage of this opportunity of seeking to know God's word, that we would love God's word. Some of you may be familiar with St. Augustine. And one of the things he wrote about was the problem of disordered love, that we as men and women, we get in trouble in our lives here because our loves are disordered. We're not loving the right things, and we're not loving things in the right order. 
And so this psalm, Psalm 119, is an invitation to love things in the right order, in a way that blesses us, that girds us up for every day, that helps us focus on what we need to focus on. And that is so important. Before we go any further, I want to tell you about some people that also got the value of Psalm 119. I found this so fascinating. Luther said, quote, well, he professed, this is a quote by Charles Bridges, that he prized this psalm so highly that he would not take the whole world in exchange for one leaf of it. Wow. There are several very famous people who memorized this psalm. You may be familiar with the 19th century British writer, John Rushkin, or perhaps more notably by William Wilberforce, who it is said memorized this psalm and quoted it to himself as he wrote, as he walked to and from Parliament. You'll remember Wilberforce was that great man who fought patiently and determinedly to overturn slavery in Britain. Over a long period of time, he was determined, he was resolved, and it seems as though one of his anchors in that fight was this psalm, Psalm 119. We also know that David Livingston also, who was a missionary to Africa, also had this psalm memorized. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. The enemy wants to convince us that we cannot memorize God's Word. He does not care what recipes we memorize or what statistics we memorize for our favorite sport. He doesn't care if we do any of those things, but boy, he does not want us to memorize God's Word. And yet we have these examples of men who did, and it changed them from the inside out. I have more when we come back after this. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Okay. 
Okay, I was just on the other side of the break. I was telling you about some people who'd memorized this, but there's one more notable that I wanted to tell you about, and that's Matthew Henry. You probably know him as a great Bible commentator. Well, when he was a young man, his father, Philip Henry, challenged Matthew and his siblings to take just one verse from Psalm 119 every day and meditate on it. Think about it. In biblical terms, meditation means that you murmur, that you say a verse or a set of verses over and over to yourself. You just let it roll around in your head, right? Over and over and over. And again, in the words of Jamie Smith, you let the Word of God, the love of the Word of God, the love that you have for God, recalibrate your soul, change you, transform you, sanctify you, right? That's the whole point. So taking one verse of Psalm 119 every day to meditate on, you can go through this psalm twice a year. Wow, that's just remarkable. I really appreciate those men who've gone before and the lives that we see because it is no accident that this was a psalm that those men meditated on and memorized It is no accident that those men did great things for the glory of God. And that's my challenge to you, that we would dare take up this challenge of meditating and memorizing God's Word, whether it's this psalm or any of the other passages in God's Word, and just dare to take hold of the power of it in our hearts, minds, and souls, because it is powerful. So, I want us to notice, first of all, like I said, we can't tackle and go through all 176 verses, but I do want you to notice in January, our M&M was Psalm 1, and you'll remember what we looked at was the blessed man, right? In that Psalm, in Psalm 1, there's this contrast between the blessed man and the wicked man. And what we see in the very beginning in verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 1 is, blessed is the man who does not right? So it's a negative. Blessed is the man who does not, and then we see a progression, who does not walk, who does not sit, who does not stand, who does not sit. So there's this progression of acclimating to wickedness, and the psalmist writes, blessed is the man who does not do that, who does not do that. You and I, in this culture right now, there's not just a temptation. It is very easy for us to get in to walking and standing and sitting where we ought not walk, stand, and sit. And we are in danger. And that is why throughout Scripture, we are admonished to be on guard and to stand firm. We are admonished to be sober So that we are paying attention. Where are we walking? Where are we standing? Where are we sitting? We need to take that admonishment in Psalm 1 very seriously. So similarly, here in Psalm 119, we have the positive side of that. So notice the similarity here. I think it's remarkable. Psalm 119.1, how blessed are those whose way is blameless. So this is going to be the positive side of that. Psalm 1 gives us the negative side. Psalm 119 gives us the positive side. How blessed is the man whose way is blameless. Who? Now notice the verbs here. Who walk in the law of the Lord. 
How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with their heart, those who do righteousness and walk in his ways. Wow. So the negative in Psalm 1, the positive here in Psalm 119, the negative in Psalm 1 who does not walk, stand, or sit, and here in Psalm 119, blessed are those who live, who live worthy. Paul talks about that in the New Testament. Who observe the law, who acknowledge it, pay attention to it. Who three, who seek, who seek God. What are you seeking? What are you following hard after? What do you want to know? What do you want to know? In the the age of instant Google knowledge, right? All of these trivial things that we chase after. What are we seeking after? And what are we distracted by? What are we seeking after? And fourth verb, obey. It says those who do who do not do unrighteousness, I I flipped that and made it the positive, right? Those who obey righteousness. So here in the very beginning, at the very beginning of 176 verses, most of which is going to be a celebration and an outpouring of love for God and his word, it says this is what it looks like to be blessed. You live worthy. You obey. You observe God's law. You seek God and you obey his commands. That's what it means. So often you and I are like, I don't know what to do. What are we going to do? What are we supposed to do? I'm going to tell you, I think we know. I think a lot of time we know. I don't think it's about knowledge. I think too often it's about our will. And that's the power of meditating on this psalm is the possibility of leaning in and submitting our will to his will. Recalibrating, in the words of Jamie Smith, that we would recalibrate our wills to his will, that we would come under it as we come in line with what he teaches. That's the opportunity here. Now, when the psalmist is writing specifically in this, he's referring often when he talks about the word, The testimonies, the precepts, the statutes, the commands, the rules, all of that is encompassed in this idea of Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, also known as the Pentateuch, written by Moses. So that would include Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So this is the Old Testament law. It's the narrative of God's people. You've got in the beginning God. You've got the creation story in Genesis, all these beginnings, the beginnings of the covenants. God comes to man, and God enters into a, a, a covenantal relationship with man, with Adam, with Noah, with Abraham, right? We have these in Genesis. In Exodus, we have the people of God being led by Moses to the promised land. This is the point, That's the book of Exodus. And we see this mighty display of the wondrous work of God, who God is. We have the 10 plagues. We have God showing off, not just to Pharaoh who he is, but to his own people who he is. And God provides a deliverer in the person of Moses. And boy, there's so much there I want to get into. We'll save that for another time. But we see plagues, protection, provision, all of that packed in to Exodus. And then we have Leviticus, and this is where God lays out his law. 
lays out all of the ways, all the precepts, right? All the details of what is the Ten Commandments. Okay, now we're going to extrapolate that. What does this look like in daily living? What does it look? It's all laid out there. You've got the feasts, all the feasts that his people were instructed to celebrate, and then you've got the offerings they were instructed to bring to God. All in an effort, God is lining it off, saying, this is, you're my people, let me tell you how to live as my people. Look, God's saying, I created you. I created you. I love you. And I know what I want for you. And what I want for you is the flourishing life. I want what's best for you. And what's best for you is to obey me. And so he lays that out all through Leviticus, all these times of celebration, all these times of offering, and with the whole purpose of keeping their eyes focused on him. Because the glory of God is good for God's people. So that's what Leviticus is about. And then in Numbers, you've got their, the people of God who came out of Egypt, delivered by God through Moses, right? Still marching to the promised land. But there's a catch. Because here in Numbers... They get distracted from who God is, and they get caught up in what they want, and they dare to lean in to doubt. Now look, doubt in and of itself, questions, wonderings, concerns, that those are not wrong. The problem comes is when you turn left into doubt, when you follow hard after doubt, when you're unwilling, when you're unwilling to seek God in your doubt, and you chase after your doubt. And what happened here in Numbers 14 is the people literally whined and complained. Look, you and I very often, we think a little whining and complaining is no big deal. Go back and read the account in Numbers. It's a pretty big deal. It's a pretty big deal. As a result of their whining and complaining, which it was a result of them getting their eyes off of the goodness and the glory of God, His protection, His provision, Heretofore, in their exit from slavery in Egypt, they got their eyes off of that, and they started whining and complaining. And I'm going to suggest to you, too, it's the same thing we do. We we find ourselves whining and complaining, and it's because we're not focused anymore. We've taken our eyes off Him who alone is worthy. And as a result of that, you have the wanderings in Numbers, the people are punished for what? They're whining and complaining. For their whining and complaining. So then in the book of Deuteronomy, we have the second generation comes up. The first generation can't go into the promised land. They lost that privilege. There are consequences for sin. That generation fell in the desert. They were buried in the desert. But the second generation comes up, still led by Moses. And this is a remarkable book. I love this book. It's Moses' sermon series to the second generation where he is pleading with them, don't do what your parents did. Don't do it. Focus on God and his glory. In Deuteronomy, there's a restatement of the law that God gave to his people, the first generation in Exodus. Moses restates it and he pleads, pay attention. And he outlines it. He says, look, this is the deal. Today I call before you. And I hold before you today life and death, blessings and curse. And Moses pleads with them, choose life, choose life, choose life. So this, those five books that I've just overviewed, right? Not even close to drilling down. Those five books, that is the point of reference for this psalm. That is the point of reference. When this psalmist psalmist writes, I love your word. 
that's the reference point. And the opportunity is the same for you and me, that we would love his word, that we would love the law. I want to ask you, do you love the law of the Lord? It is for our good. It is for our good. The enemy wants to convince us that God is a killjoy. That's not right. The joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is written about throughout the Psalms. In Nehemiah, the prophet says the joy of the Lord is our strength. God is not a killjoy. The enemy wants to convince us of that. God wants what is best for us. And what is best for us is that we fall in line with the loving limits that a loving God has set for us. Do you love those limits? Do you love his law? Another component of Torah is not just the law. It's obviously in there twice. Again, it's in Exodus, and it's again in Deuteronomy restated. But there's also this narrative, this historical narrative of God's love for his people. And these are raw people. I love that. I love that the word of God is so raw. And there are these people in here who are completely imperfect. And God loves them anyway. God loves them anyway. And you need to know that. I need to know that. We need to remember that. You want to know one of the most glorious things of what God requires? is I'll tell you one thing he does not require. And that's perfection. That's good news. That's really good news. He asks us, he invites us to lean into him and to allow him to be our strength in weakness. And he provides for us a helper who will help us when we are weak. He is strong. So the invitation isn't to perfection, but to following, to pursuing him. So now that we have a little bit of this, I want to drill down just a little bit in our time left. Again, 176 verses. We can't possibly go through each one of those, although I hope you will. It's, I just wanted to key in on just a few verses. And just a few weeks ago, when we were celebrating, celebrating Advent, we talked about Mary. And one of the key verses in Mary's response to the angel who comes and invites her to be part of this miraculous conception and invites her to carry the Christ child. You'll remember that her response was, may it be unto me according to your word. According to your word. Well, interestingly enough, here we have, and here we have in this passage, right? In Psalm 119, we have that phrase, according to your word. And I want to back up because it's two times in the narrative of the Advent. First, Mary says it, may it be unto me according to your word, which is just remarkable on a thousand different places, right? That's incredible. But we also get it with Simeon. So when Mary and Joseph bring the Christ child to dedicate him in the temple, we encounter Simeon and Anna, remember? And Simeon says, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace at your word because my eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon was in the temple, and in his spirit, he had been promised that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's salvation. And there he stood in the temple that day with Mary and Joseph, holding the salvation of the Lord and the infant Jesus in his arms. Wow. Wow. So, 
If you love Bible study as much as I do, again, I reference the ESV study Bible. It's remarkable. It's great. I also use Bible Gateway online and blueletterbible.org, and you'll find those links in the show notes. I plugged in, according to your word, Another translation is promise, right? And I just pulled up the 12 instances that that phrase is used in Psalm 119. And again, there are so many other ways that you can drill down into this, but this is the one I want to encourage you to consider. And it's on the study guide over at rachelcarmen.com. There are nine verses that go into according to your word. And in these nine verses, verse 9, 25, 28, 41, 58, 65, 76, 107, 116, 154, 169, and 170, we have something we can sink our teeth into. So, for example, in verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? That's a good question, especially today in this culture. Mom, you raising young young sons? How can they remain pure? It would also apply to young women. By keeping it according to your word. Your word. There is a proliferation of how to live books and do it yourself manuals available on Amazon.com. And yet, right here, the psalmist said, No, no, no. If that's what we want to pursue is purity, and Leviticus 19 2 suggests, I'm the Lord your God, be holy as I, the Lord your God, am holy. This is our call to live pure. How do we do that? By keeping it according to your word. Purity is available to us through keeping the word of God. What about revival? You feel sad, down, depressed? Sometimes February, though the shortest month can feel like the longest month, the blues can set in, right? Right here in Psalm 25, my soul cleaves to the dust. I'm right there. I'm going down. Revive me, the psalmist writes, according to your word. According to your promise. Look, the word of God is life. Jesus says in the New Testament at the graveside of Lazarus, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. These words are life. Jesus, three times in the high priestly prayer of John 17, says that the whole thing about this whole idea of keeping God's word means we're abiding. And when we abide in him, we have life in him. You'll remember in John 15, talking about I am the vine and you are the branches, this whole idea of abiding. If we want life, we must abide in him. In John 17, 17, not only do we have life through this abiding in the word of God, but Jesus says, sanctify them, and praying to his Father, sanctify them, referring to the disciples, sanctify them according to your word, and your word is truth. Your word is truth. So I would challenge you to go down through this list of these 12 verses with this key phrase, according to your word, and see what's available to you in this psalm. See, too often we skip over this psalm and reading the psalms because it's too long. There's so much here. There's so much here. I'll just run through a list of the things available just as according to these 12 verses and this phrase, according to your word. Purity, revival, strength, grace, favor, comfort, preservation, understanding, and deliverance. Wow. Wow. 
And that's available according to the word of God as we are children of God. That is what his word says is available to us. In order to love God's word, we have to dare to dig down and know God's word and study God's word and spend time in God's word. We need to seek the help of the Holy Spirit, asking him to come and teach us what we need to know. It is fine. Your God is big enough for you to say, I am so overwhelmed. Would you just teach me what I need to know for right now in my circumstance today? What if mom... Don't try to swallow the whole 176. What if you just take one and just meditate on it in the biblical sense and just let it roll around in your mind? I would call your attention to another passage in the New Testament written by Paul to the church at Philippi in Philippians 4.8. Remember, the theme of the book of Philippians is joy. And he's writing it from prison. Now that will preach on a month of Sundays. Joy from a prison. A message of joy. An admonition to be joyful from a prison. Yes. Yes. And Paul writes this. Set your... In Colossians, he writes, set your mind on things above. But in Philippians, he tells us how. Philippians 4.8, he says, whatever is true... Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Think on these things. Is your mind a swirl of confusion? Are you frustrated on what things are happening in government or in culture? Is there conflict and chaos in your home? Paul invites you and me. Think on these things. Think on these things. Because here's a challenge I'll give you. We dare to think on these things. We're able to process those things. We're able to deal with those things when we set our mind on these things. As Augustine would say, when we rightly order our loves, when we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and our neighbor as ourselves, when we dare to love God's word, we spend time in God's word, we study God's word, we meditate on God's word, we memorize God's word. When we dare to rightly order our loves, and we set aside love of the world, we gain what Paul describes as a peace beyond understanding. Beyond understanding. Why? Because our loves are rightly ordered, and we see that in the life of Paul. Praising God from a prison. Yes, we can. There are other key words in this passage that I would encourage you to use those online tools and or the ESV Bible to chase after. Just four come to mind. I would encourage you to study the word meditate. Yes, the word meditate is in this passage. One, two, three, four, five times. Drill down just on the verses. What What is the importance of meditating on the word? Study those five verses. The word heart is a key word throughout this passage. We also have the word delight. Delight in the word. Delight in his commands. Delight in his law. The psalmist talks about that in Psalm 119. And finally, the whole idea of keeping the word of God. You remember in the New Testament, Jesus says over and over, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. But we can't keep what we don't know. So we need to dare. We need to dare to dig in and to learn and to know. Moms, our time is already up for today. We've only barely scratched the surface. There's so much more here. I hope that you're excited. I hope that you're inspired. I hope that you're encouraged. I hope that you will dare to dig in and dig out these truths and dare to meditate on them. Don't forget that there are links and resources in the show notes and over at rachelcarmen.com. There's a PDF study guide along with a piece of original artwork that you're going to want to check out. I will see you next time. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.